And as Evan says, you will always remember your first. And so now we're going to talk, because Corey, you, since before, like two weeks ago, before you took your break, you wanted to talk about the whole, about the Berlantiverse of shows. Oh, wait, this is on me? Well, you you, you had said, there's a note talking to the Berlantiverse shows, because you said you wanted to talk about it, about, you know, Arrow, Flash, probably Supergirl, um, Legends of Tomorrow. Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah, uh, we can get into that, because I guess... One of the things that we used to do is we used to go over this stuff uh, all the time and and talk about the shows kind of like week to week. Yeah. And we've, we've tried to break away from that. We don't want to make this all about one program or one set of programs every week. But we do, like anybody, we tend to watch the same stuff all the time mm-hmm. to because we like it. Uh, yeah. Or in this case, maybe we don't. It's kind of hard to, to say before we get into it. But... Oh, that yeah. tease. Oh, that tease. I'm sitting there going, Let, oh, let's talk about what's like going it. on on these shows, Gregor. Okay, yeah. So, um, We should with... establish we came back from the mid-season break for most of these. Uh, yes. Legends of Tomorrow just took a break after everything else was, was already on theirs. Uh, so it stopped right when Flash and Arrow were starting again. Yeah. Um. So you have... Uh, Arrow, which I feel like let's start darkest and go to lightest. Arrow is in its fourth season? Yeah, fourth season. Um, and you have, this is them doing the whole Damien Dark uh, capturing him, or captured him with this part, um, and then putting him on trial. And I have to say, I'm where it is dark, I'm still enjoying the story. Um, I'm, I was glad with, excuse me, with the parts when they had, when they had the, um, the part where Damien Dark kidnapped his son, um, and even on Legend, I'll, I'll get to Legends in a second, because there's another little part that ties in with that, um, and how it went, it came to the realization of, oh, hey, and then you, it seems like they broke Olicity and wrote off Felicity in this past episode. It it was something that's that was very interesting to me, you know, to see this whole this whole concept come about. Um and just it, what with it being what it is. You know, like we didn't have this we didn't have a whole big deal about the things um, this past week's episode, I felt like it was okay. It was a nice way to introduce or to bring back Cupid, but eh, Cupid was again a her name's Cupid, right? Yeah, yeah. It was sort it's of like Cupid's okay. stupid. <laughs> That's right. Uh, one of the <laughs> oh, just it, it it not a great villain. Obviously, uh, I I think Cupid was brought up in JT Krull's run. Of Green Arrow or Green Arrow Black Canary when they had the books combined, uh, I've never been a fan of this character. Certainly not the way that she's portrayed on the show, uh, because yeah. she, she's a lovelorn, crazy person. That uh, we've seen that trope too many times with female characters. And on top of that, she just she doesn't come across as anything other than a, a copycat Arrow person. Mm-hmm. And her motivations completely change from what they were before, which was obsession over Ollie, to then, I guess, they left her with obsession over Deadshot, who they then killed on the show, and so she somehow got away, and now she wants to break up couples who are happy, uh, famous couples, and show them that love isn't real. And then she gets talked out of it and shown that love is real by Felicity in what turns out to be a big lie speech. Um, and Beats actually bring up an interesting point, and it would make sense. Um, I would have to go back and look at release schedule math on that. I was saying it almost seems like it was intended to be a Valentine's Day episode. If, if the breaks hadn't happened when they did yeah. it, that, that's possible. So, as it, a reminder to, to anybody who would have been here before, which is probably not many, uh, I dropped out of Arrow Season 3... And it probably was pretty much around this time. Mm-hmm. 
I, I think it, I may have come back from the, the winter break and watched some stuff, and I got really tired of how they were writing, in, in particular, characters like Felicity just making her miserable. Miserable to watch more than just giving her horrible things happening to her. And this is this is a show that the creators said, oh, we're going to try to improve these things. We're going to take a lot of the darkness out of it. Now, obviously you can't take too much of the darkness out of it because it's Arrow and because it's a superhero show and superheroes have to have things that they go up against. But I really kind of was hopeful that they were going to make Felicity less of a reactionary character and less of a go-off on kind of the crazy that they write her into Mm -hmm. sometimes. So even when she lost the use of her legs for two weeks? Is that what we're going with, two weeks? Yep. Uh, Kind of approximately two weeks. Unless they consider the time jump or the break as a part of the real-time events. But yeah, it was two weeks. And then the other part here that I will mention is the whole first season, it seemed like they alluded to and teased the the end of the first of the series premiere this year, which was the um you know Oliver and and Barry standing over a grave, that you know freshly dug dug grave, and 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 then we get we get hints at at what it was, but it seems like over the past couple episodes, there's no hints. There's no. It doesn't seem like we're if we're moving towards it. It's like okay, it's Damien Dark, and it's like oh, he, it's a, more of a sigh of relief thing than anything else. Well, I mean, we we we've been kind of given a couple of different options that it could be. First of all, we're talking about Felicity coming back at some point because in the mid-season break, right before it, they showed her sitting in the car next to Oliver, saying, "Well, that's it. Now you have to kill him." So mm-hmm. it could be Damien Dark. It could be uh, the uh, who is who is Speedy's father? Uh, Merlin. Yeah, it could be Merlin, because we know that he has done things now to really screw things up, like telling Damien Dark that Oliver had a son, just because he's all, oh, I'm so bad because you took away the Assassin's Guild from me. Merk! You took um, off my hand, and I'll yeah, get a um, robot hand like Phil Coulson. It, it could be <laughs> Felicity's dad. Possibly the the person in the grave could be Felicity's mom. Yeah, it could be Detective Lance. Uh, both of whom seem like they would be obvious choices. It could be Oliver's son. Mm-hmm. I I don't see it anybody specific to the show, because again, for these superhero characters, we've already gone and brought people back from death. Yeah, we. No, yeah, the, and and that's that's a really good point to make. Bring up. Um, that will that will go a little bit further. My, yeah. my my point is about how Felicity's acting is it's it's so inconsistent from episode to episode, and then they do moments like, oh, we took her legs away for two weeks just so we could have this high drama moment of her standing up and walking out on Oliver. Uh, but then she show, she's still in the apartment next week and acting like everything's all cool between them, and then she's going to go go back to work, and then it's like, oh, we have to get through this episode to show, no, I can't even do that. But it's just so ridiculous, and it's so, it's so melodramatic, and I'm saying this about a WB show or CW show, whatever it's called now, I, I understand, but it, it hasn't improved. Like, mm-hmm. it, it made me believe for a few episodes there that it was improving. But every point since about the crossover, when they introduced the idea of Oliver couldn't tell Felicity about his son, he made some stupid promise to this girl that he knocked up years ago, and and we were exposed to accept that that is something that he would do, yeah. uh, which is the Michael Weston thing all over again of like, I'm not going to do this anymore. Oh, by the way, i got to go do this. <laughs> I can't handle that in my shows anymore. I just can't put up with that stupid bullshit yeah. anymore. It's just too much of it. And this so, show has now got its second major strike for me. 
and I just don't know that I care. Uh, Beatmaster's pointing out uh, Lance, uh, uh, I'm assuming he means Laurel, uh, is the other melodramatic choice of the show, but she's so regulated to the background this season that it's it's almost like, yeah, okay, no, he's correcting me, it's Lance in the Grave. I, I don't yeah. disagree with you. Laurel is almost not a part of the show. Mm-hmm. Other than the fact they have her show up sometimes and fake scream at people, uh, which I still don't get. She's, she's and they still, and they did better over on Supergirl this past, this week. Stay tuned, I'll talk about that. Uh, don't, I haven't got to see it yet. No, 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 no. spoiler yeah. free, but I will say, I, I will talk about that. Um, but, uh, and, and Speedy's thing of, do I trust my dad, do I not trust my dad? Am I killing people, am I not killing people? Hey, here's this guy that I like to bang. Oh, I banged him. Now I don't want to bang you anymore. Uh, again, the, the show has taken potentially really good characters and and people that I'd like I would like to see do a good show and it it's it's never about the actors it's about the writing mm-hmm. it's about the writing and what they're they're doing and it's just it's so well, no, feels you're, against what you're, is you're storytelling point, yeah your point against the fact that it's not the writers or it's not the actors it's the writers was the crossover episode last year with stating that it was a better a better version of Arrow was on Flash. Arrow was better on Flash. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and the crossover this year, I don't know if that's necessarily the truth, but because it seemed like it stemmed from the crossover on this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the and, other thing is the island shit just needs to go. If Arrow can't get past the flashback stuff after the season, then there's just they don't understand what people want out of this program anymore. There's yeah, because I mean they did. And, and and I will give you that, but they did interesting things with a with doing flashbacks for other people that they had a couple of epi- for. A there was an episode episodes. with flashbacks of other people. There was an episode of uh, Felicity flashbacks. Uh, there was an episode of Diggle flashbacks. I wouldn't say it was interesting because Diggle's brother is another thing that has not worked for me this season, and but I like the was- actor. But it's better because it, at least it made sense. It, it was, yes, it made sense to the current it story. It wasn't just, oh, well, here's a flashback, and then, oh, well, this is where he first met John Constantine. The amount of time that we've been in the fucking basement in this island, which shouldn't have a basement to begin with, is yeah. just ridiculous. Just no, fucking yeah. stupid. And, yeah. So let's let's veer off from that and hopefully have a little bit better, happier things with the flash um and so flash the i'm blanking at what was the mid-season break on it what was the ending because usually they do a cliffhanger thing because uh, lord I if it was the was it when they went over to earth 2 oh yeah 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 and that was great flash has been building up very nicely for with this whole thing, and consistently, um, the only part that doesn't quite make sense is, um, I, and I feel like there's a little bit of air, these shows across the Berlantiverse, and notice we're only talking about the Berlantiverse shows right now. Um, they're a little bit out of, um, out of sync. Where where Flash and Arrow are more right here. Legends is all over the place, but that's because it's a time travel show, you know, timey-wimey. Doctor Who fans will not understand that. But it feels like Supergirl is up here in the timeline. Like, it's further ahead, especially with this crossover episode that, again, I will hit, hint at spoiler-free in a second. Um, just with where how events happened. Um, but with the Flash, the difference between Flash and, and Arrow is... Flash to me seems like they have this overarching story that they're making viable steps towards, not just, oh, here's Damian Dark and we gotta, we gotta uh, stop him and blah 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 blah. It's like, okay, we got Zoom. How are we gonna defeat Zoom? Oh, but wait, we got this guy here who's our monster of the week. Let's do, you know, let, let's crush him. Um, I don't know why you have a thing of James McAvoy on there, beat. 
<laughs> he hasn't put it up yet. Shut up. Because uh, I, I had to click over a couple times to, to do it. But whatever. Um, James McAvoy coming to Flash next year. You heard it here first, folks, if it's true. improvement. Uh, <laughs> so, so Flash, yeah, they, they are... Flash has this benefit of superpowers and superpowers being themselves more interesting than people just street fighting. Mm-hmm. Just just by the default of, like, you can switch it up. Every week it'd be something different. You can have them fight a giant gorilla. You can have them fight a giant shark. Oh, wait, those are very similar. Uh, you can have them fight another speedster. Oh, wait, those are similar to the speedsters that are already on the show. But, there... but here's the difference, though. Here's the difference <laughs> with those. With every one, it's like they're unlocking something new with it. Like, like uh, last week's episode with Trajectory. When, like... She, I don't, I don't remember if she did took like two doses of the, of the velocity ten, or velocity nine, and that's why she went blue and turned to glass or whatever it was that happened. Like that, there's something that they're gonna use. You know, they don't bring it. They in. are gonna use it, but again, it's it's. Barry is like, oh, I, I can't break past this barrier. I can't break b- past this limit. Oh, something bad is happening. All my willpower is going to make me break this this barrier now. I'm better. It, it's, okay, we really need to do this. Oh, I can't do that. But we really need to do it. No, I just can't do it. Oh, this thing happened. I'm going to do it. Oh, he did it. Oh, okay. Uh, it, it's, it's a barrier. You're great. <laughs> um... <laughs> And for those of you guys who don't know, Barry, like Barry Allen, er. Yeah. Uh, so the, the thing is, is that even with moments, great, great fun moments, like going over to Earth 2, mm-hmm. it's still kind of stupid. I felt like the Earth 2 episode in particular was almost a Polly Shore movie. Like if Polly Shore and... Uh, hey, I don't buddy. know, the, the ugly Baldwin brother went to an alternate Earth... <laughs> like biodome instead of they were like on Earth too, because that was it was such a fucking oh hey we're on this other Earth we've got to do this really serious shit to help our friend's daughter not get killed by this guy who is killing people all over the place. Mm-hmm. But hey, I want to go check out this other shit that's happening and see what my other life would be like and and watch my my the girl that I pine for in my own universe and my surrogate dad in my universe. Watch that guy die. Uh, but hey, I still have these interesting things that I'm kind of like, oh, look, there's an alternate Cisco. I wonder what your name is. Cool. It, no, not cool. Fucking have some balls and do what you need to do. So it's less superhero, more just super geeks. And mm-hmm. the thing is, is that it's established that Barry and Cisco are super geeks. So I can almost accept it. But then again, you're pitching it like it's a superhero show instead of super dicks who just are like, oh, I got powers. This is awesome. I wonder what the fuck I can do with it. Yeah. Um, the All other right. thing is that, again, we've gone to the the alternate bad Flash dude is now someone that we is was suspected to be a friend of the group and isn't. But none of it really makes sense yet. And I accept that it doesn't make sense. My my guess at this point is Earth 3. Oh, where, God, yeah. Oh. Where there would be a bad Jay Garrick. But I don't which know that for sure. Which would make sense. Which it would make sense. Except we've now seen Jay Garrick die, which I don't like. Uh, yeah. Because Jay Garrick is classic Flash. Which, which would then bring the question, did Zoom just commit suicide? No, he killed an alternate of himself. Which, when he had all the people from Earth 2 go over to Earth 1, he had them kill their alternates. Mm-hmm. We don't want two of you running around, so you got to go kill the other version of yourself. The only question really left in the, the season, then, is who's in the mask, which would be, to me, either... Oh, the, the, iron, the iron mask thing, doing the... Yeah, the uh... iron mask thing. It's either Firestorm, which I don't really believe, Ronnie, or... It's the it's the guy who was Iris's boyfriend from the first season, who is the oh um Eobar e- uh Thon e- yeah Eddie Thon Eddie Thon so but either way you know it's just it's oh, it's, no, it's I, I, I think you're dead on in that one 
because it's still I probably... more fun, way way more fun than Arrow. Yeah. But uh, as we move on to Legends of Tomorrow and Supergirl, it's it's kind of painting a picture, and and that's where I'm I was trying to get to when I brought this up. Yeah. This so Legends, or as I like to call it, American Doctor Who, um. Because it's that's basically what it is, and I'm okay with that. Um, they they're doing, all, you know, all the like I say, all the timey wimey stuff, and it is. I am enjoying the characters. There's really great character development here. That when they bring, like, because they're gonna have to bring back these characters into Flash and Arrow. I want to see that character development stay there. You know, um, first of all, I'm going to correct you because it's way more Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure than it is Doctor Who. Because Doctor sorry. Who only normally has one companion, and this is a guy who said, I'm going to pick up all the cool people and, and drop them into my spaceship or whatever. But yeah, I, I, I get what you mean. The problem is, is that I'm finding some of these characters really aren't that interesting. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if it's just that... They're trying not to overdevelop them because at some point we do have to put some of these characters back in the continuity in other places. But then why did you give them a show? Yeah. Uh, I mean, like the the one that I'm thinking about the most is with um with with uh, Snart, you know, with, with Captain Cold. I mean, because he's a villain, you know, and and Heatwave hadn't really changed. Like yeah, he was friendly with Ray Palmer and with uh with uh Jefferson uh I think what Jefferson Jackson is his name. The other part of Firestorm. Yeah, Jax. Jax. Um and I like the actor because I've always enjoyed Dominic Purcell since he was the lead on the Fox TV show that only lasted one season, John Doe. Um But you and but it's one of those things that you see, you have him, and it's like, okay, he stays pretty consistent, and Leonard Snart is having all this growth where it seems like he's, in a way, almost was matching what happened very briefly in the comics where he was a good guy. Like, it's almost like we're getting here to that, but he's still going to do his his dirty deeds and go steal stuff when it's convenient. Yeah, Snart is interesting, and I think that's why he's a great character for not only this show, but on Flash and in general, is because he's got sort of an honor code. And mm-hmm. they established that early on in the Flash TV series where he's like, if you give me the leeway for these certain things, then I won't do these other things to you. Like, I won't reveal your identity and I won't kill your friends. Those sorts of things. So he's he's a bad guy, and he, it's not even like an anti-hero. He is a bad guy. But what the rules and things that he establishes, and because of the history of the abuse from his father and the reasons why he got into doing the things that he does, and he has a sister that he looks to protect, and he does have a family connection, adopted family in a way, to Heatwave. Mm -hmm. All those things add up to him being not the worst guy, and he's a bad guy who can sometimes do good things. Uh, Heatwave's motivations are completely simple. I just want to watch the world burn, and I want to be the cause of it. So he he's a destructive a destructive personality. He will sit around and bullshit with people are, that are there, but his end game is still I want to go wreck havoc, you know, run this town, run whatever. So he hasn't changed. It it's showing the changes in Snart, which I think is probably one of the best aspects of the show. Uh, the other aspects that I like. Uh, and I wish could be explored a little bit better, uh, not just more, but I mean like doing a better job of it, is the stuff with Sarah mm-hmm. as as the White Canary. I think that it was great that we got to see her develop or try to develop a relationship with a woman, a nurse, in an era when that was completely unacceptable yeah. and kind of move things forward for that person in that era. I also am just glad that they're still exploring her sexuality in that way. I also think she's one of the most interesting aspects of the show because the way that she picks on everybody, she has that kind of attitude. She's very good. 
she's not a bad person at all, but she's played on the side of not being good enough that she can walk the line. So I do like the fact that we have some very good people, we have some very bad people, but it covers a whole spectrum of what their motivations are. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't love the way that Jax was introduced into this group because it was against his will, but I'm glad that he's kind of found his own place in this. Uh, Beatmaster was mentioning it. Kendra is weak, and the weakest part of the show. I, I know her acting is not great, but again, the blame lies with the writers because it seemed like for two months, every week her line was, I was just a barista. I don't have any experience with this. Oh, now I remember all these things, but it's still the next week. But I was just a barista. I didn't ask for any of this. I don't understand these powers or why I'm involved in it. And that's really terrible to take one of the only people of color and a, a person who the show mostly hinges on. It, it's up to her to kill Vandal Savage in the end. They put all this weight on this character, but she's just not an interesting character. So I'm just I'm a little frustrated with that. And overall, yeah, the soulmate's death thing was not only questionable, it was like she didn't give a shit about him until he died. It's like, oh, I just remembered everything. Oops. Uh, also, her kid died a couple episodes before uh, that she didn't know that she had. Or that It's just, it, it takes too little in account of what really needs to develop to have these things be acceptable in the storylines. And it's so lightweight otherwise. Uh, it's just like, here's the plot that we want to put them into, or here's the timeline we want to put them into, and they'll touch it a little bit, but then they'll just move along and it won't matter. And it's really just so one note of, we've got to beat Vandal Savage, but we keep missing the fact that we're trying to beat Vandal Savage and these other things that were just the same sort of escapist thing of the Earth to Barry and Cisco are Polly Shore and Stephen Baldwin. It, yeah. it, it's it's a group of Stephen Baldwin's. Hey, we're in this other time. Well, let's fuck around. Also, god damn it. Can we not see that it makes sense that Stein and Jax have to be in the same place all the time? I just, every time they do it, I'm like, no. I, I can suspend disbelief only so far. I know you don't mm -hmm. have the effects budget for this, but you would not keep separating them. And you would not have... Uh, Brandon Routh going around without his armor all the goddamn time. It's just dumb. You have reached epic levels of dumb by keep, yeah. keep putting him into danger, and then they're not well, prepared for it. Oh, I really wish I'd brought some of my suit. Oh, yeah. I really wish I would have brought the other guy who would have made my powers work. <laughs> and um, I, I want to, because I want to sort of challenge something that Beat said, and not the spelling or, or whatnot, but was saying that he, he he doesn't essentially he thinks Vandal Savage is a shit villain. I actually really enjoy Vandal Savage on here because it at least with how he was he was played in here is how he was in the uh, Superman story arc that just wrapped up with Superman being powerless in the comic books. Like it was very much he wants to do his thing. He wants to accomplish his goal. He doesn't give a fuck about everyone else, you know, whatever anyone else has. It's just do this for me, 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 me. But I never see him accomplish a goddamn thing. So it's like, okay, great that you live forever and you've got all the time in the world to figure this shit out. But I never see him as a threat. Yeah. He's he's the least threatening villain. All and, he has is immortality. And, and that's great and all, but your immortality is supposed to be that you're, you're so well-versed in battle and so well-versed in raising armies and you just never see it happen. And again, I know some of that's budgetary, mm -hmm. but he was living married to some woman in the small town that we have no idea what that was supposed to be with him and this this wife that as soon as Kendra comes along, he's like, oh, wait, there's my hot girl. I'm going to go get some banging on with that. <laughs> it's just it's so lame. And, uh, and I've never been a fan of the character as a villain in the comics either. The only yeah. time I've liked Vandal Savage at all was when he was used in the the sort of barbarian role in the the DC book that took place in the past. I, I can't remember what it's called. The Demon something or another. Because it had Edrigan as part of it. Okay. Uh, 
Demon Knights, maybe. Yeah. Uh, that was a fun book, but Vandal Savage was completely out of character with everything else we'd ever seen him in, and that's why he was enjoyable there. Yeah. But I, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm, you know, I'm like, also because, like, oh, I could grow my facial hair like Vandal Savage and pull off a Chubby Vandal Savage cosplay or something. Uh, Chubby Vandal is actually the name of my porn. So, <laughs> moving on to... To Supergirl. Um, to Supergirl. Where, and this is where, you know, I will say it again, I do have a one-episode head start on you guys. On you guys. Um, so when I do talk about that one, it will be spoiler-free. Um, but we have Supergirl. Um, well, actually, shit's going down in the DEO. Um, where we have, we had the, I can now see where Supergirl has sp- spent and saved its budget. Um, and it's for these le- uh, later episodes. Because like, it's something I've told people before, you know, oh, well, like Supergirl, you could definitely tell that it's early on, like it's an early budget because you see the things, like the when she grabs the ship in the second episode, you could see that it looks super digital around the crunch and all that stuff. And um, th- there was one scene in, I think it was, was last week's episode? No, two weeks ago, the... Um, with the origin of 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 John Jones on Earth, um, taking over uh, Hank Henshaw's uh personal uh role, essentially, um, where they had him full, um, full Martian up close, talking with um, with Dean Cain's character. I'm blanking on the character's name. Um, and I could see a little bit like, okay, they we'll just call him Daddy Danvers. Yeah, Daddy Danvers. Um, where that one seemed off a little bit, but other than that, it seems like everything effects-wise has been great, and the story I've enjoyed as well. Um, there's a, again, there's a reason where I did these in order because we're going from dark to light, because this is definitely the lighter fare when it comes to the show, even with some of the more intense scenes like uh, Kara fighting her aunt. Um. And and you know and hating uh, Hank because she feel she thought he killed uh, her aunt when it really it was her sister and then you know keeping secrets and all that stuff it was there was still a lightness to it um, which she's the lightness yeah you know it, it what what Supergirl shares with the Flash is the fact that they are excited to be superheroes. Uh, and they're excited to do good, you know. Whereas Arrow had to be convinced to not kill people mm-hmm. and to become a protector of the city more than just going after the people who quote unquote failed it uh, in the first season. And where the the Legends of Tomorrow have gone from being, you know, a a group of of antiheroes and villains. And and some just beginning heroes. This is straight up superhero. This is the Superman that we don't see in the film universe. Yeah. Uh, which is not a criticism. I'm I'm. God damn it! I'm doing my best not to be criticizing fucking Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman. But that's that's kind of the remarkable thing about this show is that it is a character that has all of these powers and abilities and works so hard to be good. Mm-hmm. And it seems not just like it's a challenge, but it's her nature. Mm-hmm. It is her nature to help people. It is her nature to be happy. And when we see the episode where she lets go with the red kryptonite, that is that moment of all of those things exist within her, just like they exist within anybody. You know, I have my days where I just become a complete shitheel. And I don't want to, and I don't mean to. Uh, and it goes against who I am most of the time. Now, I can, I can fuck around and joke and be a complete dick. I, I, I enjoy it to a certain degree. Because it's, it's, at least it used to be unexpected. Now it's not as unexpected. But it's my nature to hold the door open for people. It's my nature to 
go and see somebody who needs help and to help them or to see somebody who's begging for change or for me to dig in my pockets and pull out whatever I have and give it away. That's who I am and who I prefer to be. But you can't expect that there's not a duality and you can't expect that there's not a dark place in every person. And so when she's saying these things and she's really hurting her sister and she's really hurting Jimmy, people that she loves and cares mm -hmm. about more than anything, you can see when she gets her control back of who she is, she is hurt by this. She She's like, she can't even say that it's not real, that it wasn't her, because it came from her. The stuff, there was elements of truth to all of it, but it's not things that she would ever really believe or, or push on people. And I think that was such a telling, beautiful moment of who this character is and why I like her as a character. Yeah. Uh, I love Kara as a character. I don't absolutely love the show, but I'm seeing it improve over time. Yeah, here's, and here again, stick with the whole light thing. I want to talk, again, spoiler free, about this past week's episode, or today's episode. Um, we, 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 we record on Monday, so there you go. Um, at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, uh, 6.30 p.m. Western, so Corey and Evan, well, and B, to that re regard, too, because he's, you know, he's our European correspondent, but they have not seen the episode yet, and I have to say, this and um, I'm actually going to throw beats. There we go. Screen. You're seeing the promo for it right now. This episode, as a as a quote unquote crossover, makes the Flash look like like Arrow Dark in comparison, which is so cool to see. I was laughing. I think I, la I laughed throughout the whole episode like four or five times. And it was genuinely funny moments. Not like, oh, ha, ha, ha. They made a, they made a goof. It was, um, the opening scene of the of the Flash coming in, and you, they go immediately to his music, and then, um, and minor spoiler, but Kara falls out of a window, and she gets like knocked out because of uh of Silver Banshee, I don't think her name, and so Flash runs in and saves her and then she's on fire at her in her chesticle area um in her chest area and he's he's like what his instinct is to go and pat it out but he's like oh wait wait can't do that sexual harassment sort of deal <laughs> and, and it was a funny moment i'm sitting there laughing at the at the moment and there's um there's all these other times where he's explaining to them the multiverse trying to do his best um, uh, uh, Stein impression, impersonation throughout the whole thing. And then Wen jumps in, and he's like, oh, and I'm like, good lord, nerds, sort of thing. And I'm sitting there watching the whole thing, and so many references, like, throughout the whole, I'm sitting there going, I know that reference, I know that reference, I know that reference. They name drop, like, Everyone in the universe, in the Flash universe, essentially. Um, and well, there's a reference to Smallville. Yeah, well, here's 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 where I started with, with the whole reason I'm wanting to talk about this. Mm -hmm. Is that, obviously, we've, we've watched all these shows. You know, other than half a season of Arrow, I've seen all the episodes of that. I've seen all the episodes of Flash. I've been watching... Legends of Tomorrow and Supergirl the, this entire season for both of those shows. They're all written by this, the same essential people. You know, they're mm -hmm. created by uh, Berlanti. If we're going off of beats, carefully given show notes, uh, Berlanti, Kreisberg, Guggenheim have their hands in all these shows. And that's great because... What what a lot of people say, they started calling it the Berlantiverse, even though obviously we had to go through some hoops to get to a Flash-Supergirl crossover. This is what we have instead of the DC Cinematic Universe, whereas Marvel has their shows and their, their movies sharing the same universe. This is, this is a separation. And it, it's probably better that way. I, as much as I would like to see uh, Grant get to be Flash up on the big screen, 
I don't really want Grant as Flash next to Snyder's version of Batman and Superman. You know, for me, for my tastes. Mm-hmm. And they, they can already explore those themes when they team him up with Arrow. So that said, it's four shows that are incredibly similar in themes and in story and in how they they bring things across and the characters. So you just mentioned Wynn being there and getting all nerdy with Barry because Wynn is Supergirl's Cisco mm-hmm. and he's Supergirl's Felicity and he's Supergirl's Adam slash Stein. You know, he each of these shows have that type of character. And then they have the other types of characters that kind of go consistently. Here's the unrequited love of the show between Kara and Jimmy, or Barry and Iris, or Ollie and... I don't think anybody really gives a shit who Ollie's in love with because it just changes from episode to episode so much. Um, But you get what I'm saying, is Mm -hmm. that at some point it started to hit me that as much as I love the idea of these shows, and as much as I've enjoyed them going along, you know, the the nitpicky stuff here and there, it starts to feel like too much of a good thing in a way. And that's yeah. what I'm kind of at with the Berlantiverse, is that I... It's, it's like having... In the day before we realized how bad it got, when there were three CSIs, and I was watching all of them, and I would see the plot of CSI Miami, then become the plot of next week's CSI New York, and then go back to be the plot of CSI uh, Nevada, it, it became like, oh, well, they're not even really trying to keep it separate. So if you do watch all of them, you feel cheated. But if you only watch one, it's okay. You know, it's okay to see the guy get stabbed the same way in all three different shows three weeks apart from each other. Mm-hmm. But if I'm watching all of them, if I'm the dedicated viewer, I'm your target audience, and I'm hardcore into all that you do, you're kind of fucking me a little bit. Yeah. And I feel that that's what's kind of happened with this, is that the 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 cracks that are there in any of these shows, that we all know, we all know that no, no show is going to be perfect, unless you're talking about Fargo, because that's way fucking awesome. Um... But when you can see it so consistently between four different programs and between the different characters on these four different programs showing those same kind of, oh, that's a really dumb trait. You know, oh, that that's not good storytelling. It becomes more pronounced. So when I see people ignoring the obvious on Flash and I see people ignoring the obvious on Supergirl, it makes it seem like even more that the writers either don't care or just aren't very good. And that bothers me because I know that for the most part, I can enjoy these things and I want to enjoy them and I'd probably enjoy them more if it was just one show or maybe just two shows. The advantage that Arrow has is that it is the most different from the other three. Uh, It is the least like Flash or Supergirl and in a lot of ways, the least like Legends of Tomorrow, even though it shares a lot of characters with them. It's just kind of... It's kind of too bad that the ones that I like the most would be Flash and Supergirl, and they're the ones that are the most alike. Yeah. Um, sorry, I'm going down an IMDb hole right now. Why do you do As that when we're on the air? Because I'm sitting there going, okay, now, because B asked the question, do we forgive Berlanti and Guggenheim for their involvement with the Green Lantern movie because of the TV work. No. And, and <laughs> I mean, and what, do you, what do you want me to say? Do, um, let's see. Uh, at one point, everybody's written something shitty. Yeah. Joss Whedon wrote Aliens 4. Uh, I watch Aliens 4 sometimes just because I'm like, oh, but Joss Whedon wrote it. Oh, no, wait, this is a piece of fucking shit. And it's okay to have that in your back pocket of, one time I really fucked up really bad. It's mm-hmm. it's all right to admit that sometimes people fuck up. I fuck up all the time. Hello. Welcome yeah. to my life. Um, but no, you, you don't forgive them for that because then you try to later on make excuses and say, 
oh, well, Green Lantern wasn't that bad. The only time you can say that is if you watch it right after you watch Man of Steel. But you don't do... God damn it, I did it. Um, you don't <laughs> forgive them for making a bad movie because then it's going to cause them in the future to think that they can make another bad movie. You and have to... Even things that you're a fan of, mm -hmm. you should hold a higher expectations. And I yeah. know it's unfair, but it realistically, it's just the truth. Is that Joss Whedon was killing it. And then Age of Ultron wasn't as good as the first Avengers. And it's not a bad movie. It's not a bad movie at all. It has some weak parts. And how much of that was him versus how much of that was forced on him by, by Marvel to say, well, we need this to lead into the next Thor movie, and we need this to lead into Civil War, and we need this to lead into this thing over here. I can't say what was him and what wasn't, but at the end of the day, it was his name on it. And people were crushing him over it because it's Joss fucking Whedon. And there was a time not too long ago where we would see t-shirts that say, Whedon is my god now, in reference to George Lucas fucking Star Wars. Mm -hmm. Well, George Lucas fucked Star Wars all on his own. He's got no one to blame him but, but himself. Joss may have someone to blame for Avengers Age of Ultron, but it's still his name on it. Mm -hmm. You know, so what he's got to do is he's got to come back and make a great film next. And not necessarily a great monster, giant, billion-dollar movie, but just a great Joss movie. And yeah. Duke and I'm... Captain Horrible sing-along blog, Atlanta too. And all these guys, they have to hold themselves to higher standards, especially now that people are looking at them with so much love because of how their TV stuff is doing. Yeah. But if they come back and they say, well, after this, we're going to make you know, the next Catwoman thing, and it's an abomination like the last Catwoman was, then what they still it, don't get forgiveness. No, yeah, what it tells me is what they do better is TV. That's all it tells me, is that they're... Because, I mean, you look at... You look at with uh, with uh, Greg Berlanti, he was a producer on Pan, got pushed back and had, I think had pretty bad reviews. Um... He did Green Lantern. Um, you know, we all know how that turned out. The Percy Jackson sequel. Um, the Percy Jackson sequel, yeah. X-Men Origins. Well, no, that's a video game. Yeah, yeah, yeah they, they did the video game for X-Men Origins, which there's that's just something completely all different. Um, thank you. This is how I need to do the whole going down the IMDb holes, have Beat do it for me. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> your producers. Because then I don't go, oh, he, like, um, not Kreisberg, but Guggenheim wrote on, or was a producer on Cousin Skeeter. I'm like, wait, what? He had a hand in my childhood? Holy crap. Um, wow, that's way, way offensive. Um, no, and then, like, you know, like, but, like, you look, you're looking here, and, like, to, and then, even then, there's a mark on there, on him for his, for TV work, because of the fact that, uh, go go back to Greg Berlanti there, beat. Um, he he did an or ordinary family. Yep. And that's not a great show. No, you know. Uh, you've heard me talk shit about Blind Spot. Yeah. Uh, where I I went through and it became one of my first DVRs. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did Eli Stone, which was moderately okay for about two episodes and then went nuts. Yeah. Uh, he he. Did Wrath of the, Titans, of the Titans, though, too. There's another unforgivable movie. Yeah. I, I just... And he did Dawson's Creek. Well, I love Dawson's Creek at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, it just depends on when he came in. Uh, but... 99 through... 99 and forward. Is from I have what no idea like. what any of those times are anymore. I'm old. <laughs> I know. But... I just... I. <sighs> We're really lucky that we live in a time where there are all these superhero shows on TV. You know, we're not even including things like the Marvel Agents of Shield or the Marvel stuff on on Netflix at this point. Yeah. And it but this is something that I've said before. This is something that I I, I probably said about Man of Steel. I've certainly said it about some other uh movies, like the X-Men movies I've said it about, mm -hmm. which is if I was a kid in the 80s or even the 90s and this stuff was coming out, I would have considered it 
the the greatest thing in the world, and I would have felt like the luckiest kid ever to see these characters that I love, and these storylines that I that I read and thought were super kick ass, showing up on the big screen and not only being successful with nerds like me, but being mainstream successful and being the giant hits that they are. It's so great, but now my expectations are higher. Mm-hmm. Because I've seen a Captain America, the Winter Soldier, and I've seen a Guardians of the Galaxy, and I've seen a Daredevil series, and a Jessica Jones series, and I think it's important to say that we just don't accept mediocre. Because there were shows like Heroes, and there were shows like No Ordinary Family, and there were shows like Mantis, and Street Hawk. And my secret identity. If you keep going back, there have been examples over time. Uh, Nightman. All of these things have happened, and it was like, oh great, it's a superhero show. What the fuck is this crap? Yeah. Um, and um, and I think that that's important to say is that cool that we got Arrow and the Flash, and cool that we get crossovers between the Flash and Supergirl. But is I, it cool? just that it exists or is it actually a good show and, and I think the part that that I bring that uh, that I say to that is the fact that they have enough writers to where you could get uh, where maybe Greg Berlanti is focused on Arrow and then Kreisberg does Flash uh, Guggenheim I believe I know he does Vixen for CWC but that's you know that wouldn't take all of his focus, um, and he so he has legends, and they have uh, I know Ali Adler does Supergirl, but Greg Berlanti and them or like they all sort of report to each other and where sort of thing. Yeah, I mean if you if you look at it, it's Scott Berlanti's name is the primary, but it's almost like Man of Action, which is a bunch of creators that get together and create as a group. And you don't necessarily know who is doing what because they're they're a collective, yeah. uh, which works out well because they all get to share rewards and nobody ever gets blamed for the things that aren't as well received. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a little different, and you also keep in mind that Berlanti is juggling some comic work on top of this as well. I think he's writing Agents of Shield right now. Guggenheim. Guggenheim. Guggenheim is okay. Yeah, uh, and actually, to that point. But Berlanti um, is doing six TV shows. Yeah, Berlanti is doing six TV shows. But to that point, Guggenheim, I believe, is one of the people behind um, the uh, the post-Secret Wars big event here with Assault on uh, on Pleasant Hill. Yeah, I, I mean... Believe, yeah, which is pretty big, seeing as how... Because like, like if, if we're going to draw a line in the sand, it seemed like he'd be more... He's more over at DC, but now it's like, no, he's doing... He's doing great stuff over here with Agents of Shield, and I think he was involved heavily with the story, the whole story point point for the for the series as, as a whole. Because at his level of success, he doesn't need to write or, or sign an exclusive contract. Yeah, it's like, oh, we've got the guy who's writing all these hit shows, willing to write mm-hmm. a story for us. Yeah, we just signed that check. The biggest reason <laughs> to go exclusive normally is for healthcare. Uh, that's one of the things that most creators say is. I sign an exclusive contract and I get health insurance. Uh, so yeah, I'll sign that any day of the week. It well, doesn't matter where. But doesn't wait, isn't it over at Marvel though, where you have to have more of an you have to be one of their exclusive to go to the retreats. To go to the uh, retreats. They say that, but then it only seems to come into play if you're female. Well, you're not an exclusive contract with this Kelly <laughs> Sue, so we don't really need to include you. But this other guy who also isn't. On an exclusive contract, yeah, somehow he got included. Um, right, that's fine. Okay, yeah. I buy into it. It's yeah. nice when you create these arbitrary rules that only count some of the time uh, when you don't have a penis. <laughs> that said, yeah, so, <laughs> I don't know what goes on behind the scenes. I just know that it's a lot of dick. Um, so here's a lot of people Here, named Richard. We 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 went way off topic of this, which was already more than too much delved into. I I I think Supergirl is improving much in the way that I think any of these shows in their first season 
go through a growth period. You have to kind of find acceptance with the characters as they're introduced, uh, the differences that they have in the comics. Like, I'm still not comfortable with James Olsen. Not because the actor, not because of the character is how he's portrayed, but because that is just not Jimmy Olsen at all. At all. So I I wish he just would have been named something else. It's never to do with race. Black Jimmy Olsen would have been cool. But if he had acted like Wynn, I would have been so much happier with it. It just oh, seems yeah. like Wynn is closer to what a Jimmy Olsen should be. Yeah. The super hot, suddenly, I'm um, having problems working things out with my super hot girlfriend, Lois Lane's sister. Lois Lotus never gets brought up in the show. Um, I just, I don't really get that. But I've grown to accept it in the show for what the show is. Uh, Wynn is a character I had no knowledge of before this. He's just suddenly somehow the Toy Man's son. And he's perfectly okay. Uh, Calissa Flockhart has grown on me way more than I ever thought she would as Cat, who is another character that I didn't really like, but I enjoyed that they utilized her in the show. Yeah. And I think that the way they've made her work has worked out really well. Same thing with um, Max Lord. Uh, I can't say that the actor is my favorite actor, and the way that he's been portrayed on this... I, I still don't like Max Lord as a villain. I like him as a behind-the-scenes manipulator, mm-hmm. but Max Lord, to me, was a good guy and didn't become a bad guy until somebody decided, oh, we're going to make him shoot Ted Kord. Yeah. That that pissed me off. But the way that they are developing his character in this, again, I think it feels it, almost redemptive to what happened to him in the comics. Yeah, because, like, with there, and I sort of have to agree with... Um, when I when Peter Facinelli, the actor who plays Maxwell Lord, was on um, was on Hollywood Game Night, and they talk he talks a little bit, you know, when they do the whole, well, let's meet the celebrities and talk with them. He described Maxwell Lord as someone who doesn't see what he's doing as wrong. Yeah, I mean, the best villains are those people who think that they're doing right. I guarantee you, a well-written Lex Luthor doesn't think that he's the bad guy. Yeah. He thinks he's a hero. Now, I'm not saying that he doesn't think that he enjoys manipulating people, because he does. He's Lex mm-hmm. Luthor. He's the smartest one there. Uh, but I do believe that he still thinks what he's doing is good for humanity. And I think that that's what they're doing with Max Lord in this, is that he yeah. believes that he's doing the right thing. What's nice is that they give him the growth moments where he kind of picks up and learns, okay, I did do that wrong. Mm-hmm. and he tries to make some restitution. He's not turning around and saying, I'm a good guy now to you guys, or I'm all on your side. It's just he has depth, and that's that's something that I'd rather see than the p- characters who just repeat themselves over and over again, going back to Legends of Tomorrow, yeah. where they don't really seem to have any growth. Yeah. Um, real quick, before we wrap up, I want to hit uh, Batman number 50. Um, it came out this past week, and you, you, this is where you talked about the er, earlier on the show in the news segment um, that this is where we have the um, the new costume, and I actually really like the new costume because it seems like it's hitting on a bunch of different Batman costumes. Um, like, and the story was great. This they wrapped up the whole um, uh, Commissioner Gordon as Bruce Wayne. Money bats. Yeah, as bats, really good, really well. Um, and they they even did uh the char- the villain of of Mister Bloom, they wrapped that up really well. I was Mister Bloom a giant carrot because he was no. fighting the bunny rabbit Batman. <laughs> no, he was a giant flower which bunnies also eat. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Um, but the other thing that I enjoyed is they finally closed something that I believe they hinted at in Batman Eternal which was the uh, um, the character of Duke who was the main guy in We Are Robin finally gets his meeting Bruce Wayne moment um, let's introduce this Batman only to not or only introduce this character as, as a, an official Robin only to probably get screwed over with the whole rebirth thing um <laughs> But yeah, it was an interesting little thing. It 
it played like the ending of of the Dark Knight Rises, the poster behind me directly with how Commissioner Gordon was was like just willing almost too quickly to sacrifice himself. But, you know, it it made sense. And they closed it up nice. It was a big issue. It was a uh, 56 pages altogether, 45 of which was, um, or 46 of it was the main story. And then you had the epilogue at the, um, of a, t- of a 10 page epilogue at the, after it. And as you're seeing right now, if you're watching the video, which wow, I didn't realize it was a $6 issue. Um, sorry. I think I just admitted that I pirate, I pirate comics. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that does go to explain earlier. What we we're saying is yeah. two issues a month at two ninety nine each. What does a $6 issue get you and how many pages were in that? Yeah. Um, are we are we evening out? Are we spending more? What is happening? So that yeah. that might be your example to try to follow by. Yeah. But I mean, it was a great story. All in all, again, I'm really enjoying. I really enjoyed, or I'm enjoying while it's still happening. Zack Snyder's run on on Batman, doing the Batman books. Scott Snyder. Scott Snyder. Yeah. Sorry. I will punch you in the dick. <laughs> <laughs> I heard you gotta go pee, man. Come on. Why, why you gotta right do on. that? Oh. Uh, uh, yeah, and, and that's the thing, too, is, like, again, I, I dropped out of the New 52 stuff, but I'm not criticizing some of the people that they have on the books and their ability to tell stories. Even though the the Commissioner Gordon did not feel like Commissioner Gordon to me, the way they were portraying him, the way he looked especially just did yeah. not... He went from being to at least a guy who looked like just a young version of Commissioner Gordon to suddenly looking like a hulking behemoth of a military guy uh, with a crew cut in this Batman suit. Yeah, which was which was interesting because of the fact that you had um, I think when the Batman book came up with New 52, he was like, he was a little bit older and more banged up, or at least more banged up sort of deal and then it fixed himself only to get more banged up again. Um, I did not look at that guy and think, oh, that's the father of Barbara Gordon. Yeah. No, yeah, exactly. You you don't really you, you could see possible cousin right or whatever or, or or uncle but not dad, but with Bruce Wayne. Um it was like that like with how he did, and they even wrote in how he's able to whip around and and do all the things which it was sort of a cop out uh, bullshit thing, but still, it's like okay, it's it was gonna be it was gonna happen. You you sort of just ignore it because of it had to happen like that. Oh, the thing where we where you because apparently Bruce Wayne backed up his mind on a server, um, and even hid it from Alfred. Um, it somehow doing that whole process, which is basically how Batman came back. Um, it it revitalized his body, and I'm like, wait, huh? Okay, whatever, comic books. And I, not any dumber did, than anything should... Grant Morrison did. It, it, it's as much as I look at it, and I go, oh, what the fuck? It Grant Morrison does crazy what the fuck stuff with Batman, and people eat that shit up with a spoon, yeah. uh, which was at one point stuck in Alan Moore's ass. So <laughs> just I I accept comic books. <laughs> I, I love comic books. Go for it, man. Yeah. You, you tell a good yarn, it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's going to wrap it up for our super long... Um, if you're watching this on YouTube, I will break this up for audio listeners. Someone at the beginning told me that I was saving you guys from shorter shows. Uh, I took that as a personal challenge. Yeah. Um, sorry, we'll not say that ever again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, but yeah, you can find us on, uh, we are at, we are at Elsners on Twitter, um, watch.elsners.com, mail at Elsners.com is our email. Um, send us mail, please send us mail. What, what should we check out, um, from any walks of the, of the, of media, whether it be music, movies, TV shows, video games, comic books, book books, um, we will probably talk about it. You know, we will check it out and give it a good hard review. Um, I'm going to save Daredevil for next week just because of this is already a two-hour podcast. I didn't want to make it a three-hour podcast. 
Um, and also, I wanted to see more than three episodes. I will say the fight scene in episode three was freaking awesome. I could tell little bits where it was there was a cut, but whatever, it worked. Um, and also, Galactic Netcast, you can we're going to be going over there soon, like very very soon. Um, and we're already using them for hosting and all that stuff, so I figured we might as well just post over there as well. <laughs> but the uh, they they do great podcasts like Podcast of Terror which is hosted by Corey Scott over here, which I believe has, what, 5,000 unique downloads a month? Is that what uh, that number was? No, not a month. Uh, total downloads for oh, the okay. 31 episodes we've done so far, we have gotten over 5,000 unique downloads. That pretty much almost made me crap my pants. I yeah. just was not prepared for, for that kind of number, which is still, you know, let, let's remain humble. There are podcasts out there that obviously are much, much higher than that. But, but for, for a little or less, we were... Yeah. I mean, to start, to start, you know, not that long ago, you know... Yeah, and, and, do... and if you listen to the episode from this week, which has the Ink Geek podcasters on it, very fun guys. I had a really good time, but you will see we are still in our infancy, uh, the amount of talk that we did just about dicks so uh, we we have room to grow hopefully the the wonderful listeners will stick it out with us yeah um but there's podcast of terror uh who news and reviews which gets supplemented with um the sci-fi survival guide by daryl johnston um weird world weekly adventure party uh sci-fi geeks club which had uh it had JF Dubo this past week, which was awesome. I was supposed to be on two weeks ago, but the show got canceled. Um, Alien Invasion. There's a whole bunch of great, great stuff going going over there, on over there, and will be coming in the future. Also, they have a Slack channel, like a Slack Patreon uh, Patreon thing, where if you just donate some money to their to their Patreon account over at uh, it's, it's a watch on GNCast, but you go to uh, or GNCast.com, but you go to Patreon.com/slash/GalacticNetcasts. And pledge any money, and you get invited into the Slack where, where we hang out and post stuff. Um, or at least I'm in there, and uh, watching and all that. But yeah, you could check out all that at gncasts.com. And the only thing that's left to say is I'm as I'm stalling for the <laughs> beat screen to pop up the Galactic Netcast Patreon. There it is. Um. But again, donate as little as a dollar a month. This is just helping to bring, to keep the ship afloat and all that. So sign up and donate, why don't you? Um, I do. But yeah, the only thing that's left to be said is this has been a Don't Tell Glenn production. We will see you guys next time. Take care, everybody.